episode of Raven Conversations, the show where we bring you news and information from the Washington National Guard and the Washington Military Department. I'm Jason Kreis. On today's show, we talk to Lieutenant Colonel Jason Kramer with the 194th Comptroller Flight and Senior Master Sergeant Justin Scherer from the 194th Contracting Office. Together, along with retired Chief Master Sergeant Jason Witz, summited Mount Rainier in July. The iconic Pacific Northwest Peak sits at an elevation of just over 14,000 feet and is one of the most popular mountains to climb. I mean, who among us hasn't gazed out at that mountain and wondered what it would be like to stand on top of it? Well, these two have. We talked about the training that goes into the multi-day climb, the equipment they use, the hazards of traversing glaciers, and much, much more. Hopefully their experience inspires you to one day reach the top. Sit back and enjoy the conversation. All right. Well, thank you guys for coming in here today. Really appreciate it. We um, got a a photo of you guys at the top of um, Mount Rainier, and we were, like, really impressed with that. So we wanted to get you guys in here to talk about how you trained up and and how you guys got to the top. So um, I have Lieutenant Colonel Jason Kramer over there, um, 194th Comptroller Flight. That's right. Okay. And Senior Master Sergeant, correct? Yep. Justin Shearer with the uh, 194th Contracting Office. Correct. Cool. Well, um, let's just, like, uh, what, was, what, was, uh, what was it like being on the side of uh, Mount Rainier and, and climbing to the top? Are your legs healed? <laughs> I, I had blisters for a good two weeks after on my heels, both heels. Oh, man. It was terrible. I couldn't do bouldering. I couldn't hike or run. It was rough. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um, so what, uh, you have not, uh, Colonel Kramer, sorry. Yeah. Um, you have not summited at a mountain before, before this, or have you? Uh, I have not nearly as many as my okay. esteemed colleague over here. Um, but we also had a uh, chief master sergeant, Jason Witz, uh, on our team and mm-hmm. it was his first, uh, glaciated oh, summit. Okay. Okay. And he's retired. Correct? Yes. Retired. Sorry. Thank you. What, uh, what mountains have you climbed in the past? So I've been uh, <laughs> climbing since high school. So I've bummed around. I tried to be a professional mountaineer when I was right out of high school. I bummed around in Bolivia for like six months and uh, did Huayno Potose, Pequeño Pamayo, a couple mountains down there. And I uh, realized that I need to get a job eventually because that was <laughs> not paying the bills. Uh, then I joined the Air Force. <laughs> so outside of that, a lot of the mountains here, Rainier, uh, Mount Olympus, uh, Hood, uh, a lot of those have been summited and climbed. Nice. So the, the biggest challenge is getting to a new area. So I got here about a year ago and then trying to hook into the climbing community, mm-hmm. which, you know, just because of what it is, is a very precarious situation. Like, I don't, I didn't know Colonel Kramer previous really that much other than, you know, he became the comptroller at the 194th and was my neighbor, office neighbor and uh, overheard him talking about climbing. Mm-hmm. So um, started to lay the groundwork and uh, you have to be careful as a new climber in the environment because you don't know who you're gonna climb with, uh, which you know can be dangerous. You're gonna mm-hmm. be hooked up to a rope with them. Yeah. You don't know anything about them other than you know the couple of weeks that you've worked with them. So we, we had to overcome that first, I think is the biggest challenge we faced. Wow. What's, uh, yeah, so, so what are some of the 
some of the dangers that you guys run into on the side of a on a glaciated peak like this and and how do you na- uh, navigate all that well the um the element of climbing on a glacier just adds some considerations for objective hazards that don't exist when you're just hiking mm-hmm. uh, so a lot of the mechanics are the same you know you're just you're hiking on a glacier you know um but there are some additional things to consider um because glacier is a you know moving river of ice that moves very slowly uh, that can cause some interesting things uh, you can have some cracks in the glacier that are covered with snow that create kind of a trapdoor effect um, those cracks are called crevasses so you could potentially fall into one of those if you weren't uh, you know mitigating the hazard um, by roping yourself together with other people uh, a lot of the other things that you know, people have to pay attention to our, our rock fall and, and ice fall, uh, which, you know, with temperature variations and things uh, can be a problem for people. So just knowing where there are hazards that are out there and being able to navigate those appropriately and mitigate those uh, is important. And that comes with training and a good uh, team, good mentorship. And that's where for me, I, you know, I've been kind of a wannabe climber for a long time. Uh, and the thing that I had a hard time finding was the right people to plug into, to grow and learn with. Uh, and so I was grateful to find a really experienced guy uh, in Justin to be able to go out there and grateful to find some other good friends that were willing to uh, rope up and tackle some stuff with us. And um, uh, so it's been a it's been a great learning experience and it was really fun that we had good conditions uh, and were able to actually get get a summit uh, for our last trip that was really fun nice how did you guys uh meet you, you're fairly new to the guard yep yep so coming back to duty just got here a year ago um uh, who was i originally i think i was introduced to colonel lammy mm-hmm. um and uh and he knew you uh colonel kramer and uh so i had i'd heard the names floating around and until he took over the comptroller i didn't actually put a face to the name so what like three how, how long have you been in the comptroller role uh not too long um less than a year myself but i've been in the wing for several years um yeah there's there were some several people that have paved the way if you will as far as wing guys that have done rainier and so there's some inspiration and there's a few of us who are sort of like ambitious hikers i guess you could say that sort of uh plugged together and passed around tips and when justin jumped in uh you know it was like hey why don't you guys connect and so i'm really glad it worked out so uh as far as the training goes like for you're fairly new to mountaineering you've fairly very experienced like what um what kind of courses did you guys have to take in order to get all spun up yeah, so I, like in high school, I was from Minnesota, yeah. so we don't have a lot of mountains there. <laughs> and, uh, you know, my buddy, we were in, uh, like, in our high school years, told our parents we were going to head to Canada for uh, a mountaineering course, two weeks long. Um, so I highly recommend, if anybody's really interested in it, definitely take a course. You can do a three-day course or however long you want. But we went to uh, Canada West Mountaineering School out of uh, um vancouver Mm -hmm. and uh had a great two weeks taught us everything and then we were very lucky to get adopted by this club called the mazamas out of oregon um so i started climbing with those guys um and that's how i kind of got brought into the mountaineering world um Mm -hmm. but definitely 
some type of base school um, to learn the techniques, and that is important. And if, if you're lucky, you could jump in with some experienced people and be put in the middle of the climbing team and pushed mm -hmm. up Rainier without, without any experience, but I don't <laughs> recommend that. <laughs> it almost feels like it's one of those communities where it's like, if you choose poorly, it could be bad, but uh, you kind of got those like different people where you're like, mm, I want to test this guy out, but I don't know if I want to commit just yet kind of thing. <laughs> 100%. Yeah, so part of our like, you know, team building was to go do a, uh, a training day. So Colonel Kramer... I got all of us together, and we were up on Rainier just doing some rope skills and some crevasse rescue stuff because every year you should do that anyways if you're going to climb. Uh, mm -hmm. Refresh yourself on the training because uh, you forget some of it. But that's step one is to get out and practice. <laughs> yeah. And um, any other any other schooling, any advanced, you know, past the mountaineering that you've gone through? Oh, yeah. You've done AVI training and – yeah, so I've done um, some different iterations of basic glacier travel and crevasse rescue um, classes, one of which was actually through uh, MWR at JBLM. Uh, they have a an alpine club program where they do some um, structured uh, training with a, a really experienced uh, instructor, uh, and they also uh, will do some climbs in the summer. Mm -hmm. uh, so that was a great opportunity. I actually went through their class a couple of times. Um, and um, trying to round out the uh, training, I also took a, an avalanche, uh, introductory avalanche course, uh, three-day course this uh, winter, make sure that I'm not totally blind to different <laughs> possibilities out there. Yeah. And, um, yeah, just... I the, took an ice climbing class. I think you did too, right? Yeah, we've um, done... Uh, um, Chief Wits and I, Chief Retired Wits and I did a... Um, one day ice climbing class uh, last um, actually September uh, out on Mount Baker and uh, just trying to gain little skills along the way climbing's really fun activity in that it's very broad um, there's a lot of different ways to climb uh, from glaciated mountaineering which is sort of glorified hiking but with ropes on to more technical climbing on steeper terrain uh, and that can involve summer aspects or winter aspects, you know, rock or ice. And, mm -hmm. and so when you look at this whole spectrum, there's there's a lot of technical sub-disciplines, I guess you could say. Uh, and so that's where, you know, I, I know that I'm, I'm a novice in several of these things. And uh, gaining experience, you just, you got to have good mentors. Uh, and so um, Justin's been uh, helping us out. Uh, on the glaciated mountaineering side, which is awesome. Uh, I got some, obviously, some great experience with the JBLM Alpine Club. I, I did a Mount Baker with them um, about three years ago. And, um, you know, then you find other trusted mentors and some of the other disciplines to, to have some fun. And, you know, as it, as it all comes together, you can kind of progress into more advanced uh, things. But for me, not there yet. I know Justin's got some cool experiences on the I, I, in Europe, you did some fun climbing. Yeah, got to tackle Mount Blanc, and I tried the Matterhorn twice. Um, <laughs> wow. Both times got blown off. Uh, there's this thing called Verglas where uh, the Matterhorn is very rocky, so you're doing this mixed climbing, and a lot of it is class four cl rock climbing, which is just you with a pack climbing up like some big boulders, basically. But mm -hmm. think about, you know, you're exposed thousands of meters on your left side, you know, and uh, this 
precipitation comes down and it's very light and it hits the rock and it freezes instantly, verglass. And so you're on crampons and walking on rock with crampons is the most annoying sound. It's like chalk uh, <laughs> or like your hands screeching on a chalkboard. Oh. So the whole time you're climbing up this and it, once verglass starts and it gets really slick, your hands don't even hold. And then on top of that, you know that probably more weather is coming. Uh, if you have a little bit of precip, on the Matterhorn, you probably should turn around. So I attempted it twice with a buddy I met overseas and uh, Lieutenant Dan. And uh, <laughs> he, uh, as soon as I left Germany, he uh, the next year he sent me a nice video of him and his buddy completing it. So oh, cool. yeah, it's hard. Are you going to try it again? Absolutely. That's yeah. That's the one mountain on my list that I have to do. That's. Do you got any other ones? Um, really, now that I'm here, like my goal is just to get in with as many climbing communities I can so that every weekend I get an invite to go climb. That's my goal. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Dang, that's impressive. Why do you do it? I mean, what's the, the typical answer? Because I want to <laughs> see what it looks like from the top. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's there. Because <laughs> it's there. Yeah. I don't know. You don't I know? just like the challenge. It's, it's almost like it's instant gratification, right? You set a goal to get to the top, and then, you know, three – days a week later you've made it down to the bottom hopefully successful and you've reached your goal um and it's very clear cut and it's it's just a blast and the view is beautiful you can't beat it so it's it's why i enjoy it and, and there's a social aspect to it too mm-hmm. you know i mean you, you, there's the team dynamic so that that can be really satisfying so mm-hmm. you kind of the uh, dopamine objective accomplishment kind of side and the you know yeah. serotonin team thing going <laughs> on it, it's it it's very satisfying in those aspects which helps makes up for the total and complete discomfort the entire experience that you know you're <laughs> you're enduring there's a very different in styles between colonel kramer and i which is pretty funny um so for instance colonel kramer came with how, how heavy was your pack do you think um 40 pounds 40 probably a little bit more than 40 pounds from what it looked like my pack was maybe 30 and uh the big difference was i packed for exactly what i needed and i knew that i was going to be not comfortable um the problem was at the end i was very jealous of the amount of food and water that colonel kramer had (laughs) (laughs) but uh i understood that i packed light and i was going to pay for it but you're tough. You're tougher than me is the bottom line. Yeah, so I was starving. That was much appreciated. So kind of let's describe the, the the journey, if you will. Like, like when did you, you know, where did you start from? Like what? And then, like, uh, tell me about the technicality of, 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 of climbing something with all this equipment. Like, what, what is it that you're actually doing and, and keeping in mind? Well, I think we have to start at the parking lot. <laughs> so. so we parked our cars. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you mean the the when we first got to the parking lot, or like an hour and a half later when Jason showed up? You mean you retired Chief Witz? Yes. That yes. is retired and shouldn't be an hour late because <laughs> he's retired. Yeah. So we got to the parking lot at Paradise and uh, okay. proceeded to uh, vigorously pack all of our stuff, um, expecting to get rolling right away. But we were delayed about an hour, um, so that was great. So we watched the sun as it started to go down because we hauled after work. We had a promotion ceremony that day. And then after work, we pushed uh, to get to Paradise, started hiking at 7. Once uh, 
retired chief wet scout there mm-hmm. and what time we make it to paradise so 7 p.m you started yeah okay which is unusual we had kind of a non-standard timeline just because of our schedule constraints mm-hmm. um, and we wanted to make it a three-day trip uh, so the only way for us to do that was to start after work um, thankfully in the summer you know the daylight lasts a long time and the conditions were good so um, we ended up yeah doing an evening approach uh, from Paradise, which you can drive up to, it's about 5,000 feet, mm-hmm. uh, to uh, Camp Muir, which is about 10,000 feet. And it's uh, just a hike up, uh, you know, dirt trails and snowfield mm-hmm. to get up there. Um, is it, the main challenge with that is just just getting through the slog with your heavy pack. And then, um, yeah, we didn't get up there to like 2 a.m. or yeah. something. We, it was a to slow. Camp Muir? Nice, yeah, okay. nice and slow hike uh, to save our legs. And, yeah, we were... Uh, I pretty much wanted to just curl up and go to sleep on that snow field. I was, I was yeah. tired. <laughs> and some reason we woke up at like six in the morning the next day. Yeah, that yeah, was dumb. <laughs> yep, it was it was go time. So the next day we um, had kind of a shorter itinerary. If you want to walk them through that. Oh yeah. So uh, the next day was our day to go to the Ingram Flats. So uh, the game plan was to wake up. Um, this was Thursday morning, or sorry, Wednesday morning. Go to the next uh, area because of how permits work. We were able to snag Camir permit and then a permit at the Ingram Flats. So then we went an additional thousand feet. Yeah, we just pushed up to a, a higher camp, um, mm-hmm. which was a fairly short trek, um, but it allowed us to have an extra day to acclimatize and kind of get warmed up as a rope team because this—that's the. That segment is the first segment where you're on actual glacier, so you get roped up and practice that. And uh, Jason Witz actually led the charge for our team, uh, getting us to Ingram Flats. And so, so um, what elevation are you at at this moment then? Um, about eleven. Yep, eleven thousand yep. feet. So then our plan was to um, grab lunch and then take a take a nap. And you're trying to rest up because you're going to do alpine ascent, which is, you know, very typical for, for mountaineering. You're getting up at, like, midnight. You're starting to push at, like, 1 in the morning. And the reason you want to do this is obviously because the snow is weakens the structure. Or, sorry, the sun, once it comes up, re- mm-hmm. weakens the structure. Um, and if you have these the snow bridge that's over these crevasses, you obviously want it to be strong because you're walking over them. Um, so you don't want to necessarily have the sun beating down on all these snow bridges. So the, uh, the safest way to travel is start in the morning, get to the summit by six in the morning, seven in the morning, and then push down, uh, which should take about half as long as it took to climb up. So we, uh, we got to our, uh, the Ingram flats decided to take uh, lunch, take a nap and then have dinner, hang out, um, and then crash as soon as possible. Cause we were going to get up early for an Alpine start. And that's that's a really fun segment because the Ingram Icefall uh, is pretty dramatic, and so you see some really big crevasses. And uh, if you look up the Icefall, you can see some seracs up there. So that's where you get this like really unique experience that you don't get just no, on an, a normal hike. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we got to see that in the daytime uh, bef- before we got to high camp, so that was kind of fun. Uh, because once you start the summit bit, it's all dark because you're doing it, you know, climbing at night. So um, it's it's fun to see the the terrain and get that introduction. So it was kind of a funny transition because we started our we did our little approach to uh, high camp daytime. We then try to rest in our tents where it's it feels really hot because you're kind of in a solar oven, uh, and then 
you know, the sun goes down and um, now all of a sudden it gets cold because you have wind coming up and down the glacier in mornings and evenings and, um, you know, it's wind blowing over ice. Uh, so we kind of experienced that, you know, nighttime wind, I guess, or we're trying to continue napping. Uh, and so it's kind of a funny transition, you know, baking hot, kind of cold from the wind and then wake up at 11 p.m. and uh, get ready to go. And up till that point, Winning was all about eating and drinking, uh, so our bodies could continue to acclimatize and we'd be in a, a good spot, you know, uh, to move forward the next day. And some people would sleep later uh, and get a little more sleep, but we, we knew we'd be kind of slow. Uh, and we knew that the, um, the rock band that we were going to climb up called the Disappointment Cleaver um, was getting kind of mushy uh, in the once the sun hit it from the snow covering it was getting kind of mushy and that's probably the more one of the more hazardous areas for the that the route we were on hence the name hence the name <laughs> uh so <laughs> we wanted to get that um well it was still really cold both up and down you got to think about coming home yeah. uh so we started pretty early so that we could get back pretty early uh so we woke up about 11 and then it was uh, time to get ready to rock and roll well when did we actually start man I'm trying to remember what was it I'm like? pretty sure we had a go time of like 12:30 but we definitely missed that. Yeah, if I you think were, we started at 1. What what caused us to miss it? Man, well, I think the two of us were standing there completely ready uh, <laughs> and there was this one guy that um, needed another half an hour. Um, I can't remember who it was. It was <laughs> yeah. Is he retired by any chance? <laughs> Oh man, he, he's not here, so he's on the menu. We got it. We got to give somebody a hard time. Uh, no. Um it just it takes a little while to to make sure you got everything just right, um, and uh, Jason it was it was his first go, uh, so it's just it's just hard to know until you've done it how long it takes to get all the little nuts and bolts ready uh, to get clipped onto the rope. Uh, so by the time we had all our our ducks in a row and we were ready to push, it was about 1 a.m. Um, but it's good that was still plenty early uh, for our itinerary and. Um, you know, we didn't give in to the temptation to, to sleep sleep longer and all of that, uh, which is which is always easy to do. So yeah, and based on the guides and the rest of the group, like as you're when you're in a, this alpine area and you get up and you start pushing, you'll notice if you look behind you, there's like a, a row of headlamps behind yeah. you, and there's already mm -hmm. been some people in front of you. So we were pretty much middle of the pack when we started with the rest of the folks that were going to summit the same day. So overall, it was good timing for us. Okay. And that's one thing, just a footstop, is climbing, a, you know, a trade route on Mount Rainier is not like being in the middle of the vast wilderness you know where you're like alone and unsupported we were it's a well-established route with lots of guides and their associated clients kind of going down the like the the ants and the little trail and um there's also a lot of support from the park rangers and so that makes it a little more achievable for people who are trying to grow in the uh the sport and so we benefited from kind of being in the part of the conga line there mm -hmm. and um you know there are obviously other ways to climb mount rainier that are a lot more ambitious and a lot more um you know you're you're, you're more kind of on your own uh but this was the kind of the beginner beginner version at one in the morning we start and now we've got from one until about six or seven in the morning of climbing 
in the dark, you know, to do. So this is all headlamp assisted, mm -hmm. and we've got Colonel Kramer leading us. We've got uh, Chief Witz in the middle, and then I'm holding up the rear. Um, so we, we push, and we get up the – we hit the disappointment cleaver, which is the, the first big – traverse which is cool because that route literally changes this this entire route on Rainier will change every year depending on snowfall hmm. so it's not the exact same every year cool. the years in the past yeah. I've done it the cleaver was completely dry meaning there was no snow on it this year is just you know full of snow which is pretty cool to see we had a lot of snow this year so that made it fun and interesting um, but we we get up the cleaver we go over some cool um, like hazards that are going up there so some big crevasses that are opening up the guides will put pre-positioned ladders on there um, there's one where they put a pre-positioned like two by six maybe maybe it wasn't even a two by six like it was one narrow you know piece of wood um, so you're crossing over that and then you're, you know, as soon as you get to a hazard like that, we take care, you know, and make sure that we've got the rope really taut. Mm -hmm. So if somebody did drop in, you know, there's not any type of dynamic fall. We've, we've got them kind of thing. So we go through some of those uh, type of uh, dangers. It's also pretty steep, which is normally fine. Um, but the park service and the guides will put up uh, um, like blaze in there basically so you got carabiners attached to an anchor mm -hmm. hanging out so if you choose you can clip in if you feel um, unsafe so um, those are up there for for people to use also um, so yeah it took us like a good what seven in the morning were we at the top yeah um, and up towards the top there's one moment that was like really fun for me was there was this uh, crevasse that you had to step over but it was kind of like three distinct steps uh, so you take the first step was maybe a, oh, a slightly wider step than normal, but then you're looking down like 200 feet down the crack, but you are stepping onto a, it's like a fin, like a fin, like a, like a 12 inch <laughs> little sliver of snow. And then you're stepping laterally across another crack. And then your third step kind of gets you to the other side. And it, that was like, I thought that was really fun. Um, cause fun. it just, it just felt like <laughs> it felt uh, unique. your definition of fun is different than mine, yeah. but <laughs> it felt I mean, unique. My heart is beating just listening to that. <laughs> but they, these guys had, you know, we, we had protection. We had, we had mitigation, uh, for the, the hazard. It was just sort of, a a challenge, you know, like, like the playground. Uh, so we, and it, and it was just really neat looking. Uh, and by then it was daylight so we could see it. Um, and that's definitely one of the draws for me is that period where it's like five in the morning, four thirty in the morning, and you see the sun coming up and you, it's been dark this entire mm -hmm. time and you've been climbing and I partly sleep when I do this. So sorry, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, um, you're just going up. So it's one foot in front of the other. You have no idea where you're at on the mountain. You just know that you got to go up and you're following a trail. So it's very, like, very easy to, to navigate these type of like mm. trails that people do all the time. And, uh, at that point, like four thirty ish, between like 4.30 and 5.30ish, the sun is coming up and you've got this like, you know, golden scene, you know, forming all around you. And you've got all these mountaintops, you know, you can see Mount Hood, you can see um, Mount Adams, you can see Mount St. Helens. Uh, it's just beautiful country. And that's when oh, you yeah. get a chance to see yeah. that. It's yeah. breathtaking. I, so I think my question for you would be, you know, you were in the lead, it sounds like, on this whole hike. And as you get to the top, I mean, this is the highest peak in the western part of the United States, right? I mean, in the whole United States, like in the continental United States, Mount Rainier is... Well, it's... Um, I mean, how does So that, Mount Whitney's a little bit taller. Just, just a little tiny, uh, maybe, but, but... Rainier's 
notable because of the glaciers. It's it's yeah. like over fourteen, and it's got a lot of glaciers. Yeah. So. so as you as you make that summit, I mean, now you're standing basically on top of the world. It almost feels like. How does that kind of like view like when you get there? Like, what is that feeling? Well, I have kind of a funny story. Is so that the summit is actually has a few stages to it uh, because when you first get into it, you're getting inside of a crater rim. So you actually go over the lip of this rim and then you go down a little bit and you're kind of in the bottom of a little bowl and you know, you're on the top, which is super exciting, but you can't see squat cause you're like in this little bowl. And so you have to walk across the crater. Uh-huh. The bowl is the dome of the volcano that you're in. Yes. yes. <laughs> like the, the, the crater. If you, so to get to the top, you, you go across the crater and go up a little rise uh, to the Columbia crest uh, towards the middle there. And, Last time I went, it was with a guided group, and we didn't have time to go over to the rise. So that little bowl, if you will, in the crater was was my high point. And so it, it had this, like, mixed feelings about it because I'm like, okay, we got there. We're on top of Rainier. It, you know, quote-unquote counts as a summit. But it, I didn't have any sort of, like, mountaintop view, you know, so you kind of miss that experience. Uh, so this time we were like, okay, we're going to the tippy top here. Uh, and I was so stoked. And, um, I mean, Justin, maybe you could elaborate on that. Yeah, that I was, was cold. Like. I was definitely <laughs> cold. I packed to spend about seven minutes on the summit before my body with doing no physical activities, uh, would be cold. And mm-hmm. because this guy brought all of the things in the world, he was absolutely fine on the top. <laughs> and you can tell in the picture, I'm extremely bundled up. Um, and I'm like, when in the heck are we going to get off this mountain? Like we did it. Let's roll. But we've got Colonel Kramer over here sightseeing, which is perfectly acceptable <laughs> because it was the first time he made it to the actual top. <laughs> Sorry, brother. <laughs> I appreciate it. Public, public expression of thanks because that really was – it was beautiful. We, yeah. we walked uh, kind of to, towards one end where we could see, you know, look down on Mount Adams and Mount St. Helens and just the whole, uh, you know, view – going that direction and then you go the other direction you can see across the different summits of mount rainier over to liberty cap and then you look the other direction you see all these beautiful hills and it's just it was really worth the uh, worth the trip for sure it was awesome mm-hmm. and we signed the guest book on the top so that's important yep summit log uh, with reference to the one fourth wing so that was pretty nice. pretty cool i so i think one thing um it's one of your quotes, right? You know, this is far from being K2 or Everest. Um, and, and you kind of said it's probably very doable for most people. Uh, kind of elaborate on that. Like, you know, we, we see Mount Rainier every day, right? As Washingtonians, you can kind of see it from end of the state to end of the state. Depending on where you're at in Spokane, you might be able to see just the top of it. Um, and it, it's probably one of those things when you're standing right there and you're in Tacoma and you're like, man, that's a really big mountain. But how is it doable for almost anybody that's interested in doing it? Well, I guess I'll give my perspective as a as a wannabe, you know, novice climber growing into this is the mount it's a serious mountain and there are real hazards and it can get a lot more serious very quickly based on the conditions and the weather and those kind of things. So you have to be aware of what you're getting into and you have to have some situational awareness of uh what the conditions are going to be like over, you know, several days. Uh, and you also have to know how to mitigate the hazards that you're going to face. 
Um, with that being said, checking all those boxes is not that cosmic. Um, you could either go with a guide service and they will shepherd you through this whole process and make sure you stay safe. Um, or you can kind of grow and get some training and plug in with some, some people who can mentor you and um, kind of go that route uh, and gain you know, more independent skills. But either way is, is very doable. Uh, the fitness is, you know, you got to be in shape, but you don't have to be an Olympian. You know, the equipment is expensive, but you can rent a decent amount of it if you need to, particularly if you're going with a guide service. Uh, and, you know, again, the it, you're going to make an investment either with a guide service investing in the fees there or with the, you know, the training and the time to grow your skills. But it is something I think a lot of people can do. You see a lot of folks of different, you know, shapes, sizes, and ages out there. Uh, and it's, I think it's definitely achievable if you get with the right group or the right guide service uh, and you're planning ahead. Um, you do have to buckle in for some, you know, flexibility um, as the conditions change. Mountains don't necessarily go on our schedules. Uh, but if you're willing to be flexible and, and patient, um, there's, it's a beautiful opportunity. Um, Justin, what, what would you say to that? I I don't disagree at all. I think training is important, and you got to know that it can be dangerous. And the more time and experience you have on the mountain, the more that you see people, you know, perish on the mountain. So, like, I'm part of the Mazamas out of Oregon, and, you know, stuff happens to our members all the time. Um, you know, I've got helicopter insurance for a reason, so I don't have to pay in case I have to call a helicopter. But at the same time, like, my buddies and I were climbing Baker maybe four years ago, and, uh, we were coming down from the summit and it was a very icy dome section that you have right before the summit and some kid with leather shoes no ice axe is just climbing up solo with a random backpack on my buddies and i are like looking at each other like something's wrong here like everyone else is roped this kid Ooh. is just just sending it <laughs> wow. And he was fine because we got off and uh, we're hanging out at the bottom, having a beer. And this kid comes by and was like, oh, that summit was great. We're like, cheers. <laughs> we wouldn't recommend that. But uh, <laughs> wow. T-shirt, shorts, and pair of leather shoes. <laughs> hey, what's going on, guys? Yeah. yeah, I mean, you hear those stories and it's like, okay, well, there's a wrong way to do it for yeah. sure. But if you're doing it the right way, it can be relatively, you know, safe, not perfectly safe, but relatively safe because you've mitigated a lot of the hazards. Uh, and it's doable, you know, and people get so excited about, you know, sort of their backyard mountain. And it's just nice to know that it's doable to get out there and experience it. Cool. Um, can you describe some of the equipment that you guys are using and, and what you need to, to in order to go up there? So it's it's. A fairly simple equipment list. You're looking at a Gore-Tex outer layer, some type of, you know, insulating layer underneath that. You definitely need a sleeping bag because you're going to be sleeping either at Camp Mirror or Ingram Flats. Um, obviously, you're going to need some technical equipment. So outside your normal clothing stuff that living in Washington, you should probably have Gore-Tex anyways. Um, outside of the normal gear, uh, you're looking at mountaineering boots which are super rigid, so they don't flex at all, and that's mm -hmm. important for the crampons. Obviously, your spikes that go on the bottom of your, your boots, they need to be able to attach to a rigid platform. That's why mm -hmm. you have mountaineering boots. And then, obviously, your climbing harness and a rope, and then some anchors to carry with you in case you do run into an emergency. 
Um, I'll tell you that. Uh, sunglasses, obviously, they should be oh, you yeah. know polar rated because yeah. it's it gets real up there with the amount of sunshine you're getting, whether it's just from the sun itself or reflecting or reflecting off, the off of the snow. Yeah, yeah, that's... yeah. If you've ever had a burnt like bottom of your nose area, <laughs> like that's the worst. <laughs> so, and that happens. <laughs> Interesting. Did I miss anything? Um, the only major thing I'd mention is helmet. Oh yeah, yeah, that's um, important. Yeah. <laughs> Rockfall is serious up there. So whether it's just like little golf ball size rocks that are coming from like a thousand feet above you, obviously you'd want a helmet for that. Some rocks are like car size, especially this time of year in August. Like that's just unavoidable. You just make sure you're not in a rockfall area. But for the standard stuff falling, a uh, helmet's important. The bottom line is, a, if you're going with a guide service or a class or a club, uh, you know people will have some feedback for you on equipment lists, and then obviously different outfitters out there can give you some coaching. And there is some investment, um, but it, there are a lot of places where you can rent or even borrow. So, um, you know, the boots tend to be kind of a focus area to help people's experience be more enjoyable. Because when your feet are miserable, you're miserable. Um, and, uh, you know, the boots are expensive, but it, it's worth it when you get something that fits nicely. All right. Well, I don't want to keep any, any of you guys' time. I know you guys got a hard time to get out of here. So, well, thank you very much for, you know, filling us in on, on how you got up there. That was, it was really fascinating. And congratulations. But that's, <laughs> I mean, you've d yeah. done it many times now. Every mountain is the same celebration. It's always good yeah, to get yeah. Okay. Up it and down it safely, and it's it's a great time either way. So right on. Oh, thanks for the chance to talk about you know one of my favorite hobbies, and uh, yeah, we'll look forward to uh, seeing you guys later. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thanks.